Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long-form, unbiased and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. No one wanted to talk to us this week, Jake, so it's just you and, it's just you and I. We've got no friends. Well, truth be told, is actually my fault. I was a bit sick. Uh, when that's was right. it? Was that's it a few right. days ago? I can't even remember now. So yeah. for the good of the world and, and our guests, I decided to not come and I got COVID tests and I was fine, obviously. But um, yeah, it's my fault that you've got me and David this week, guys. Yeah. So apologies. Send all your hate mails to Dr. Jake Sloan at what's Gmail? <laughs> Hotmail? <laughs> Hotmail.com. Hotmail.com. Yeah. Well, we're supposed to talk to Alma. Yeah, Alma, Alma Lasers. So apologies <clears throat> to the guys at Alma, but we will regroup. I think they want to do it in February now. So Yeah. Well, we're talking about some pretty interesting technology. I know that most of the people listening to us are really interested in injectables, but they've got some pretty interesting technology in, in respect of how they're delivering laser hair removal and some of the, I guess, well-known complications, side effects, things you have to look out for that apparently are no longer much of an issue. So we're looking forward to exploring that with those guys. Which is a pretty big coup, seeing as everyone is doing laser hair removal and it's a little bit painful anecdotally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, we're talking about things that are commonly an issue or pop up is can you get laser hair removal when you've been to the beach or you've got a tan or you've got fake tan on, um, medications that you're on, things like that um, that are contraindicated. Apparently now the way the laser energy is delivered in multiple pulses over a period of time rather than one big pulse allows you to apparently deliver these treatments a lot more safely in complication and risk well, I don't know, free, but diminished to a certain extent. And that's what you're getting. That's, that's all you're teaser. getting. Yeah, <laughs> that's the teaser. So sorry to the guys at Elm. I know they had lots of people lined up. We had their uh, technical trainer. They had um, Sia from Laser by Sia coming in to talk to us because she's a big um, user of their technology. So anyway, we'll, we will recap on that yes. early in the new year. But and in the meantime, what have, we, what have you been up to this week? Uh, staffing issues. <laughs> it's right. Just, well, for anyone that's listening internationally, or, or particularly um, in Australia, we you know come out of a, a long uh, second lockdown, and we obviously, as an economy, rely very heavily on tourists and people coming into the country on student visas and working visas and picking up a lot of those you know jobs. A lot of people in in our industry, um, particularly people from like Ireland, um, you know. UK, obviously. UK, yeah, people that are sort of big parts of our industry that um, come in and they make great beauty therapists. They're trained really well and they form a large part um, of our of our workforce and they're just not here. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking to people all the time, you know, like at restaurants and cafes and everyone's just struggling for staff, even tradesmen. Um, Anything, so, deliveries, lorries, yeah. um, you know, fruit pickers, like every, yeah. everything. <clears throat> yeah, and, and um, seeing what that's going to lead to in terms of, how it's going to impact the economy because everything comes down to supply and demand. So if you've got a, a like a, a labour shortage, then you're going to need to pay the pay the people that are there more money. And then so what does that lead to and the domino effect? And you know, I guess the argument is that well, the worry or the fear is that 
if you're having to pay people more, then that sort of leads to inflation. Yeah. Which means that, you know, the cost of living get, becomes more expensive. And then, well, what does and that mean? And it actually mean? becomes uh, not real. Because well, correct. you normally pay, you know, over the top for, mm-hmm. you know, jobs that aren't considered highly skilled. Correct. And then you've got things that will sort of flow on from that, which is, well, a wage is going to keep up with inflation. And if they don't, then that's when you start getting people defaulting on their mortgages and businesses not able to repay their debt. So, you know, it could be an issue, but it's sort of, I'm not sure where it's going to go at the moment, but it's definitely something that's mm. something I'm thinking about a lot. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the staffing short, it's just difficult. You, you just can't get people to work for love or money. You can offer them like, you know, 20% more, 30% more than what you were paying before the lockdown and people are just not interested. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. So tell us more about your your, your staff. <laughs> you, I remember in one of the podcasts ages ago, you said you had about 80 staff over your four clinics. Yeah. That includes injectors? Yes. And so what are your numbers now? Well, the injectors haven't, haven't changed. They're still there because, you know, they're on great, you know, arrangements with our companies. They get well looked after, but it's more on the therapist side of things. I guess people have just decided, hey, you know, I don't want to laser people's bum holes for... <laughs> You know, for, for like, you know, $28 an hour or $30 an hour, which is, you know, even by like industry standards is, is sort of relatively high-ish, I guess, compared to what historically has um, been paid to these people. But it's it's sort of like, well, people are sort of reassessing their careers in general and thinking, well, I don't want to do this anymore. And then, and then it starts to create like a, a sort of a, a cyclical problem because patients are getting impatient because, yeah. you know, you've got, Supply demand. Yeah, you've got people that are sort of waiting six weeks to come in for a treatment or two months to come in for a treatment. So they're getting irate. And, mm. you know, if they're running late, you don't have the opportunity to sort of be a little bit more flexible because you're so booked out. When people turn up late, often, you know, they miss their appointment and then they sort of, you know, it's a big song and dance at reception and staff are getting abused. And I mean, I had someone the other day call up and say, I don't want to get abused anymore. I, 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 do, I, don't turn wow. up, I don't want to turn up to work for the amount of money that I'm getting paid to get like abused by people but, and I've got no control over what's happening. It's so, it's just, it's challenging for sure. People are more irrational than, than ever before. I, I can certainly say that we've had a few patients, both from the skin side and inject side, where it just seems to be completely unreasonable. The demand, the expectation, um, the inconsiderate sort of nature of, Cancelling at the last minute and then oh, yeah. expecting, oh. you know, things to be changed. And yet we're, you know, we are fully booked. So yeah. there's no denying I've been very, 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 very busy. But it's still disruptive when patients sort of don't play their part. Yeah. Well, I had someone turn up 20 minutes late to appointment and we had like people booked in directly after them. And then we're like, well, sorry, we, we can't see you now for another X number of weeks. And that just became this huge ordeal. Drama. Yeah. And it's like, I understand why you're upset, but it's like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, and it, and it always leaves a bad taste for the rest of the day. You've got the staff a bit disgruntled. Yeah. You just feel a little bit like, oh, should we have done something different? And then you relook at your sort of protocols and you're like, well, no, actually, we did the right thing. They're just being unreasonable. Yeah. And as I said, yeah, staff are just sort of reassessing what they're willing to tolerate, what they're not willing to tolerate, thinking to themselves, hey, maybe I want a break from just dealing with patients. Maybe I want to move into the corporate world. Maybe I want to move into sales or maybe I'd... Just being on on the coal face of sort of these treatments that they're that they're performing on people, it's 
there's a lot of reassessment going on, I think. Everyone's in their car thinking, God, this is a cheery podcast. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, <laughs> wanting to tune into something happy yeah. like, you know, jawline filler. Mm. And, and here we are shitting on about the yeah. miseries of the world. But uh, I, I did actually want to sort of extend apology to you guys listening for, you know, our sort of disruptive nature and, and sort of the things going on behind the scenes have been quite hectic for yep. us. Yep. And, you know, what we were just touching on with, uh, you know, difficulty with timings and uh, the post-lockdown sort of stress and drama of, of the hectic, hecticness of work. Is that a word? Hecticness? No. Hecticness. Hecticness. Hectic. Yeah, that's the one. Too many Negronis for me. <laughs> um, I've only had a few sips, by the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, we have been chasing our tail like yeah. ridiculous and I'm imagining that even this podcast will go out a few days late and it's not fully in our control. Even our um, sound engineer's got some personal problems and he's chasing his tail and uh, we've had guests that haven't been able to sort of line up their diaries because of their schedule. So it's just been a a snowball effect that, you know, I probably anticipated would have been sorted by now, but it's just rumbling on. And so, you know, apologies if we've had to sort of put out a few posts on on Instagram saying, you know, it's going to be a bit late. And I think that may still continue for the next couple of episodes until into Christmas. Um, And then, you know, we may sort of consider having our first break just for two to four weeks until we can sort of gather our thoughts, have a little bit of a break, and then we'll be back with you probably by the end of January where we can hit the road, hopefully with a few episodes up our sleeve. We're still going to be working hard over Christmas, but just by not publishing every week is going to allow us to catch up. Yeah, we've got some pretty exciting stuff. We're we're sort of in the midst of our video content, which we've been promising for like ages, but I think we finally found the right company to work with. Yes. And they're currently working on our, well, I guess our, our, our template that we're going to use. Yeah, um, and it'd be good to get you, your guys' feedback when it's eventually up and running <coughs> and, you know, th- that might have a few iterations and changes as we go, but I think it's the first company that, you know, we just gave them some stock material and said, have a go at this. Yeah. And I thought it was 80% good. Yeah, it was good. And I guess, you know, what we're trying to do is pick out highlights from all the discussions that we're having with people, you know, um, you know, the top tips on, you know, how to do this or what, you know, what pitfalls to avoid or, you know, the things you must know about tear trough, whatever it is, just trying to pick out, you know, five, you know, five to 10 minute combat, like little sort of segments from Mm. those clips and then presenting them as video content to sort of help get people aware of who we are, what we do, a little bit of a insight into or a highlight from a particular episode. And you can think, oh, that's interesting. I might go and, you know, listen to the entire episode now. So, and also you guys, Get to see us. So I don't know if that's good yeah. or bad, to be honest. Watch the subscribers go down. It's quite funny. One or two of our guests, despite, you know, our, I thought, fairly thorough communications, have not turned up prepared for a video yeah. podcast. They thought it was pure audio. Yeah. So we have, we obviously can't use this uh, material. We had at least one guest in his pyjamas on his bed. On his bed, yeah, 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 yeah. It was funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that was interesting. So we'll have to sort of put his name over a black screen on that one or, or something. We'll, we'll, we'll work out a way of dealing with that. Yeah, well, even we're getting, sorting our own. We've got some work to do in our own studio here because it's a bit boring at the moment. We've just got like, you know, our, our sort of backdrop and you can't really see, there's not much sort of going on in the room. So I think we're going to spend a bit of time just designing things a little better, making them a little more ergonomic, a little more organised. Oh, certainly it would be nice to be more organised. These cables are killing us every week and yeah. falling over, almost killing ourselves. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's weird, like this whole year, if we sort of, you know, I guess this episode is a sort of a summary of the year and, and a yep. bit of a teaser of what's coming. We basically don't, often have people in the studio at all anymore. We've had a couple, but 
90% plus are now through Zoom. So having this set up is awesome. And I guess... You know, spending too much money on yeah. on that would be a, well, yeah. a waste. Like I think there's, thing, there's things we can do with the lighting to sort of, you know, be a little bit more economical with space, but it'll be great to get people back here. I mean, yeah. that's how we started. I mean, the, the first, what, 50, 60 episodes at least were all in person. Yeah. For transitioning to Zoom was weird and now it's become normal, but I'd like to be able to restore some kind of balance. Yeah. Um, so that we, because, you know, Zooms are good, but... When you're sitting across from someone, you're breathing the same air. Well, that's not very COVID-friendly to say that, but, you know, you're, <laughs> you're sort of breathing the same air, you're in the room, you can feel the energy. You bouncing can, off the energy, yeah. exactly. And there's sure. no delay. Even with Zoom, there's like maybe like, you know, a hundredth of a second delay and it's mm. not major, but it, it sort of doesn't have the same feeling yeah. when you're in the room with someone. Yeah, it's not sure. quite as not quite as compelling. And also, you've always got that awkward moment, no matter how well <clears> you know someone, where you sort of just pop up on Zoom and you're like, Oh, hi. Yeah. Whereas here we, we introduce ourselves, we have a drink and a catch yeah. up and everyone's in the mood and then yeah. the magic starts. Yeah. So a bit different. Yeah. So a bit of work to do on the studio, video content's coming. We've got some really exciting episodes coming up. I mean, do you want to give them a teaser? We've given them a teaser about Alma. What else is coming in the Well, new year? look, I, I don't want to say too much because things can change, but it looks like this is going to happen. So if you guys remember, we did do a pioneer episode where we had Jean Carruthers on and she was the the doctor with her husband, Alistair, who effectively uh, discovered toxins for, you know, anti-wrinkle use. And that was, you know, just changed the industry completely. But I think no one, or I'll challenge you or anyone else out listening to know who who the gentleman was who effectively invented the first ever HA filler. So who, I, who I, was that? I reckon everyone's probably scratching their head I'm going, I'm scratching my head. I have no idea. Who was so, it? So his name is Per Winloff. Oh. He's based in Sweden and he's still the chief, uh, I, don't, I don't want to get his title wrong, but he's effectively the chief guy in charge of all of the filler portfolio. And he was the first employee of QMED when, when, oh. when it all started before Galderma. And he is now their chief of fillers. I'm going to call him chief of fillers. King Filler. Yeah, King Filler. (laughs) So we are planning on on recording that next week, touching wood here, that it actually happens. Um, You know, I know we keep on saying, oh, each episode takes so long to plan, but this really does take long to plan when you get real sort of key opinion leaders like that. And also dealing with these big companies, um, you know, like Allegan and Galderma, they've obviously got a lot of rules that they need to be compliant with, things you can say, can't say, topics that are off limits. So yeah. it's always a challenge trying to navigate all of the sort of compliance issues, but still trying to create an interesting and compelling discussion where you're like, well, we're here to talk about okay, nothing because we, <laughs> because we can't say anything. It's the vanilla podcast yes, where we just pretend everything is safe and happy. Yeah, so... What else is coming? I mean, are we having a good chat with the? I mean, the injector diary in the injector diary series has been very, very well received. So we'll be continuing on with that. We've got a chat on yes. Monday with Madeline Wallens, the the functional nurse. Yeah, um, so she's based up in <coughs> Queensland. I think so. Yes, in, in Queensland. Yes, she went to university in Queensland. Yes, so that'd be interesting. I, I have to say, I've not met Madeline. So Maddie, if you're listening, hello. I can't wait to speak to you. But yeah. um, that'd be a different one because even though we've sort of <coughs> slightly moved away from some of the more wellness topics, there's no doubt yeah. that, you know, treating people holistically and and, and working within teams that yep. sort of think of all of those boxes are probably going to look after their patients better. Yeah. Well, I remember in sort of, you know, my um, my girlfriend or partner is, is sort of right into this industry and she's always following the interesting people. And she's been talking about Madeline for a while, you know, show me posts and, you know, look at the stuff that she does. So, 
you know, I guess at a higher level, she's approaching cosmetic nursing from a more holistic perspective. So she's looking at all of the things that contribute to sort of wellness. And, you know, so it's going to be a discussion that has injectables, but it's more about everything else that sort of goes around it. And it was interesting, you know, in, I had a chat with her last week when we were just discussing what the podcast will look like and questions that we're going to ask and getting her input. And she's been injecting for six years. Mm. And she said to me, oh, I'm not an expert in injectables. And I thought, wow, that's refreshing because it's humble. It's nice. Yeah, because you see people that have been injecting for like six months and they're calling themselves Lip Queen or, you know, (laughs) Tear Trough King or whatever it is. I mean, it's sort of like someone that's been injecting for six years who still considers themselves, you know, in an intermediate level injector. I thought, wow, that's a refreshing sort of perspective and probably, you know, a realistic um, sort of view because, you know, one of the things that's become apparent to me from these podcasts, even though I've been in this industry for a long time, is it's an art. It mm. takes a long time, especially when you're dealing with fillers. Yeah. Um, there's so many different products, different techniques, different needles, and there's new stuff happening all the time. So it's like, how can you master it in 12 months? You can't. Yeah, I was thinking about this week. I was <coughs> training for Allegan just on Monday and just a whole new group of like literally fresh uh, injectors and it challenges you to teach when they don't know anything. Yeah. Like you rich, really do have to start from the start and, you know, it just makes you think, I don't know everything. I, yeah. I, I still don't. I can impart some knowledge and, and give people some skill, but no, I, I don't think anyone can consider themselves a true master. We're all yeah. learning. We're all developing new techniques, whether it's ultrasound or yep. learning about filariology or, you know, <clears throat> we're all learning. Yeah. And well, and that's, you know, what the Injector Diaries is really yeah. all about is sharing the stories and, and you know, how do people do it, their businesses, their approach to um, patients. Yeah. But, you know, if we share all that knowledge together, we'll all learn. Yeah. Well, even, you know, the episode that came out a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Gavin Chan, you know, he's been injecting for, was it 14 years? Mm. I think it was something like that. And he's now all of a sudden decided he's not doing tear troughs anymore. So it's interesting sort of hearing people's development um, over a period of time and how you can sort of almost come full circle yeah, and decide, I've been doing this for 14 years, but I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah, and, and, then- and again, that's nice, humble admission that, you know, in his opinion, he was wrong and, and he's going to do things differently. So yeah. I thought that was great. That was really well received, actually. Got some lo- lots of nice yeah. messages and that spurred us on to sort of carry on with that um, new episode type, yeah. uh, the treatments and regions uncovered. Yeah. So the next one that we're aiming to do is with Dr. Steve Weiner. Um, many of you who sort of are, are Galderma users will know him as one of their yep. key opinion leaders. Really, really nice guy, but also skilled injector based in Florida. I'm going to be talking about jawlines and Chins. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's an area that's sort of only really become prominent in the last sort of, I don't know, three three years, four years, maybe. Feels like it just because yeah. these things sort of I mean, trend it's always on. been there, but it seems to be like, wow, okay, like, especially if you've got products like Velux now, yeah. you know, where you can actually really start creating like definition. You've got a product that will hold and give you that type of result for almost mimicking like bone structure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah up until that, you know, we, we got some nice results, but now I can hang my hat on. Yep. This is going to not only look good, but last. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so with your, um, you know, just sort of off topic as we like to do, especially me, I, you know, I'm all over the place. Bouncing but, uh, around. Bouncing around. You know, when you're training these people, what's, what's the sort of average person that, that's Allegan's presenting to you and go, hey, Train this person. I mean, it's a really good are, question. Yeah, yeah. Um, completely varied, to be honest. And and I can't give too much away. It's sort of confidential, but it's a pilot program. So right. it's a new way of training um, new injectors. And you know, we, we've <clears throat> spoken about this many times, and, and we sort of laughed about it on the injector yeah. diaries, where often it's like a one day 
sort of yeah. stupid thing where everyone tries to learn all the theory in the morning. Yeah. They've never, you know, they don't know anything. And then yeah. in the afternoon, they get to do a squirt of Botox. Yeah. And then they get a certificate and say, well done. You, yeah. you can go out and treat people. So it's, it's, it's far expanding that and yeah. making it sort of a, a, a progression over quite a long period of time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but of course, people pick up skill at different and, um, sort of levels and some people run with it and some people take more time. So yeah. that's all I can say. But um, they were nurses. Yeah. There was actually probably the first surgical assistant I've ever met oh, really? who wants to be an injector. So he is working with some of the well-known plastic surgeons around right. Sydney. Okay. Uh, very similar background to me. We had a good, good sort of catch up and he was a plastic surgical trainee did a number of what we call unaccredited years where yeah. he was trying to get onto the program. Get onto the program and, you know, you know, very skilled himself, lots of experience, but because of the limited number of opportunities, you get a lot of people who just can't get in. Yeah. So rather than sort of banging his head against the wall or doing GP or something he didn't want to do, he's actually done something that I considered, which is sort of a, a job that I don't know if it exists in, in other countries called surgical assisting. Yeah. So he can act as a professional surgeon uh, or an assistant, should I say, assisting plastic surgeons in their theatres and he'll go to different um, uh, hospitals each day. I think he said he worked four days a week. But the beauty is he gets to do what he loves, which is operate, but then no responsibility of the yeah. patient. So he's under the sort of guidance and supervision of, a, of an accredited Correct. plastic surgeon and he's sort of doing things like they might do one side each or they might go in and help with some of the suturing, a lot of the sort of manual, Correct. you know. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I, look, if, <coughs> if this didn't work out for me injecting, that would have been a path that I probably they would have gone down. pretty good money too, from what I, from what I understand. Yeah, it's, it's a really complicated world. So each operation in Australia is sort of categorised as a number yeah. and that's sort of known as a Medicare benefit as far as I understand. And so depending on the operation, you know, you just sort of bill for your part of that operation. Yep. So if you did a gallbladder, or like <coughs> a, a keyhole gallbladder, you literally just look up in a book and you go, oh, that was number... 402. Yeah. I was the assistant. That's what I can bill for. So it's not a time thing. It's a code thing. It's a bit weird. Yeah. But it's like you don't have to deal with the patient. You don't no. have to deal with the complications. Not, you don't have not to the deal consenting, with... not the ward rounds, not the drama, the clinics. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do a bit of yeah. that, but generally their role is literally to assist. It's right. quite, a, quite a cool job. So surgical assisting and moonlighting injecting on the side. I hate that word moonlighting. I, that was that was thrown at me years ago. It sort of sounds like a bit well, dodgy. Side hustle. What's, what's better? Part-time injector. Part-time injector. Yeah. Do you reckon you can part-time inject or do you reckon you need to go? Yeah, look, you can start that way. But, yeah. and, and I told the guys on Monday, I was like, look, you know, I appreciate you've got other things going on. You don't know if you want to do this full-time mm. and, you know, it's hard as chicken and egg. Do you commit or do you, yeah. do you not? But eventually, if you, if you love it and, and you think this is going to be for you, Please commit because you can't become better if you're if you're neither in nor out. Yeah. It's very hard. I guess you'd um you know particularly people like that. I'm assuming you know their their understanding of anatomy and tissue and sort of working with you know working with these sort of parts of the anatomy that you ordinarily wouldn't ordinarily sort of come into contact with would stand them in good stead in terms of like a best just a base oh, level of understanding. And not just any surgeon. He's a plastic surgical trainee yeah. doing facelifts and yeah. you know obviously he's doing breast and, and other things as well. But yeah, his command of anatomy will be very good. Yeah. And it'll just be his learning curve will be easier, I imagine. Yeah. Sorry, another question on this. Sorry, I'm, I'm no, 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 it's good. So I mean like how do you sort of approach a class where you've got like someone like him who's obviously got like, you know, superior levels of understanding of anatomy and you know he's comfortable with with you know with sort of manipulating tissue and so on and then you've got someone say like 
I don't know, that's never really injected before, that hasn't done any surgical training, you've got them in a room. Hmm. How do you sort of go about sort of trying to create a syllabus that's going to be digestible for everyone or where do you sort of start in terms of like practical training? And, and I'm just, yeah. I'm, well, I guess I'd look at it the other way around <clears throat> and say you're not going to drop your standard to cater for people for people who don't right. have his experience, so you need you need a, a level of experience mm. and and practicality and theory that's actually going to benefit injectors and, yep. and keep patients safe. So no, it's not dumbed down, but I, I, I guess for him it would just be easier. Yeah, he won't need to sort of understand oh, what is SUF and what are yep. the retaining ligaments and what are the fat pads. It will just become second nature. Yeah, and maybe when he's looking at a face, he'll just have that sort of 3D spatial mm-hmm. understanding. He'll just know it like a map. Whereas yep. for another person, they might need it to be guided and, yep. and sort of have, you know, things drawn on the face. But ultimately, they're all going to learn the same. It's a, it's a completely new skill. Yep. And I think um, Lee Walker um, had lots of chats to him about anatomy and he wrote his book recently. Right. Um, injecting anatomy is is very different to surgical anatomy. You mm-hmm. know, you, can, you think you understand it and if you've opened a face, you can sort of see it all there. But when you're sort mm-hmm. of trying to target these deep structures without seeing it, it becomes quite different. Yeah, right. So you're almost sort of working from surface anatomy and imagined anatomy. Yeah. And it's all theoretical, let's be honest. It, we, we know what a book looks like, but we don't know what every different yep. face looks like. Yeah. So you still need to work from first principles and, and uh, you know, just go slow and steady. Yeah. And how many people are in a room with you and sort of when you're doing this? Is it sort so, of like cast of hundreds or have you got like... Is it again, not to give away too much because I'm bound by sort of secrecy. It was very small numbers. Right. Okay. So well, that's good. There were three trainers. There was me, Penny, and Kath yep. Porter. And um, we each did sort of a group lecture. So everyone mm-hmm. was there and then we split off and it was very, very bespoke. Right. That's all I'll say. Okay. Yeah. It was a sort of whole day event or multi-days? or. Uh, so this was my second. So we did a virtual session with our little group. Yep. Today I was obviously hands-on. They've already done all the theory. They've, yep. they've met their BDMs. They've been well supported even before they met us and got yep. to live injecting. And there'll be more for them even down the road. Okay. So it's pretty good. So yeah. if you're interested, I, <laughs> I don't know, I guess reach out to Allegan BDM and see if it's available. I really don't know how, how, how these things work. I just right. get asked to turn up on the day. <laughs> Can people buy extra for just like special like one-on-one time with no. Dr. J? <laughs> Not yet, but the, I might have something to say about that next year. Oh, right. Yes. That's interesting. Any- so, any, any scoops you want to give us while um, you... <laughs> uh, I don't want to announce anything yet in, in case it's delayed or, yeah, or right. doesn't quite happen, but it will happen. Yep. Um, but it, I won't be doing it on my own. So oh. I'll, I'll be partnering with a company who are already doing it very well. Oh, right. Not in this country. That's all I'll say. Ooh, that's yes. interesting. Okay. Yes. I'll have to get a few more Negronis in you and, and, and sort of ply you for the information. <laughs> well, look, um, I, I, I'll, I'll be very happy to share it once it's up and running. I just don't want to people feel like I'm using the podcast to sort of serve my own purposes. No, well, I've led you down the path, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So more on that in maybe <laughs> January, February. Yeah. I've been talking to a journalist that was involved in a lot of the stuff that happened with uh, cosmetic surgery, that big sort of expose story on the liposuction stuff that happened. So anyone that's listening overseas, there was a big story that came out on Four Corners, which is a very sort of um, well-respected, like sort of uh, journalistic um, program that sort of airs on a weekly basis in Australia. And, you know, know, when you see a Four Corners story, you know it's been well-researched, like they've done... They've done their homework. It's sort of not really sensationalised. It's it's a pretty hard hitting. When people see it, they go, "Okay, like you know, Take this, it is, this is legit." Yeah. So I've been having conversations with one of the journalists that was involved in that story, and I know it's not something that we normally do, but 
there's a chance that this person might be coming on next year. So it's sort of... Well, I think it's highly relevant because let's just be honest, you know, what's happened with two of the surgeons, which is just, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's, it's not going to end there. Yeah. There are going to be ramifications for everything from probably us injectors yep. to general cosmetic work yep. to maybe even what beauticians do, mm-hmm. lasers, yep. uh, what general practitioners do. It's just, I, th- I think it's going to be a sweeping yep. look at wh- where we are. Well, yeah, I mean, and sort of, you know, there's something that we haven't even discussed yet. I was at a dinner with a couple of um, prominent plastics not long ago and you know, they're sort of quite incensed about what's happening and even looking at their own sort of looking at themselves and going, we need to do better even as a society of plastic surgeons and training our surgeons that are coming out because, yes, plastic surgeons are highly skilled. They spend many, many, many years mastering, you know, their craft and doing reconstructive surgery and trauma. But in terms of doing like, you know, a breast augmentation for someone that's got normal anatomy that wants to enhance what they already have, there's no formal training pathway for that. Yeah. So there's a they couple see of sick people in yeah, hospital. So plastic sur- these these couple of plastic surgeons who are, I won't say who they are at the moment but they're sort of, you know, very well known, very well respected are looking to even potentially put their own sort of program together to help train their newly graduated plastic surgeons with training in cosmetic procedures. So wow. even themselves, I mean because, you know, there's no formal training pathway, you're getting these people that are coming out going, well I want to leave a legacy behind. Yes. I want to improve um the training and what's available to, you know, the people that are coming up, the next generation of surgeons that are coming through. So that might be an interesting discussion if we can have that next year as well. I think I know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that they will reach out to the, uh, and we mentioned this on the podcast a few a few podcasts ago, the Cosmetic Surgery College? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, there is obviously, you know, differences of opinion between those two sort of factions within within the industry. I, I, I would like to hope so, but I think that, you know, there, there needs to be a prerequisite at some point of you need to have a, a sort of a, a benchmark level of surgical training mm. and competence before you're allowed to embark on enhancing someone's appearance. Yes, with a scalpel. Correct. And putting in an implant yeah, or whatever so, it may be. I mean, these are the questions that we can ask them. I would like to hope so because... You know, there are some great cosmetic surgeons out there. There's no doubt. We've had some of them on this podcast. There are people that are great at what they do. And like everything, there are good and bad yeah. everywhere you go. So it's about how can we as an industry potentially look at improving the quality of training for everybody. Yeah. But if you can't cut it, then everyone needs to say, look, you know, this is not for you. <laughs> you yeah, know? for sure. Um, you know, that avenue was open to me. Um, when I left hospital, yep. I was informally approached by a couple of cosmetic surgeons. They yep. said, look... We can train you up with some skill. And I just thought, I don't understand this. Like, I don't, you yeah. know, it's not like I'm going to be in a formal school learning. I'm going to just be your apprentice in theatre. I just, it didn't sit right with me. Um, yeah. Not that I didn't have any skill or I have put implants in, but, you know, for cancer patients yep. and, yeah. you know, I've done lots of different operations, but I, I feel like something like that needs to be formal. Yeah. And there's a big difference between restoring functionality and something that's aesthetic, aesthetically acceptable mm. for someone that's gone through cancer or, you know, a burns victim or some sort of trauma yeah. accident or something like that. And you've restored like functionality to a hand or someone that's had their breasts cut off and you've replaced them with something that doesn't look you know, amazing compared to like someone that's had nothing done, but it's still 
better than what they had before. That's a very different mindset 100%. to taking someone that's young and healthy that has no sort of pre-existing conditions, no trauma, and trying to make them look better. And the mindset of the patient is yeah. completely different. And, oh, yeah. and, and your uh, degree of... Um, or your ability to have problems is almost nil. Yeah. You've got to like, if you know, complications are just probably, you know, when you're going in for a procedure, you know, you, having some, having an outcome that looks worse than what you started with is something that you don't even really think about. You're just thinking, I'm going to look better. Yeah. I Different expect, if I you've been perfection. mangled by a tractor. Yeah. You accept that if you've got something that resembles yeah. a hand and you can grasp something, yeah. it's better than nothing. I remember seeing this this photo this plastic surgeon showed me about 10 years ago of this, this guy that was... Um, he was a carpenter and he was using a circular saw and somehow, I don't remember the details, but the blade came off. Oh, Jesus. And this thing like at full tilt just came off and hit him right in the face. No way. And his face was, you know, like you've seen like, you know, Friday the 13th movies, mm. these sort of gory. It looked like someone had like basically taken an axe to his face and cut it in half. It yeah. was just horrendous. So it was like, and then he shows me the photos afterwards and you're like, Holy shit. Like yeah. he's actually put this person, like they've got a massive fuck off scar right down the centre of their face. Like it was, you know, like Frankenstein. Yeah. But they look like them again. Like yeah. they look like a human being, not like just a, you know, a splatter of tissue all over the place. It yeah. was actually quite phenomenal to see that that sort of thing. So, I mean, but that's different. Someone's like, wow, I can, I look human again. I sort of look like I used to. That's great. Thank you very much. But like, you know, rhinoplasty patient, my nose is two millimetres, you know, <laughs> in the wrong direction, you know, and then I want to sue you. And, and it's, it's it's different, yeah. even from a, as you said, even from a psychological perspective. And, that, and that translates to, to injectables as well, obviously. And, you know, it's it's worth sort of discussing, you know, if I've mentioned that I might be mm. doing some different training next year with a different company. Yep. Um, maybe that needs to be re-looked at. You yeah. know, maybe APRA will sort of open that can of worms again and yeah. decide, well, if we're deciding that surgeons need to be formally um, shown and, yeah. and taught how to put implants in, well, what about facial injectable implants? Yeah. It's the same, you know, whilst risks are rare, if, if there are risks of strokes and blindness, yeah. maybe we do need to have some sort of agreed basic standard, even if it's just a basic standard to start yeah. with, that's then a template to yeah. move on and... Yeah. Well, should it be like an international standard, do you think? I mean, do people's... Well, you've got to start from local yeah. to, to countrywide to then grow that. It, it would be, you know, we can't even agree what happens in Sydney and Melbourne, <laughs> let alone that's what true. happens in America and, yeah. and Australia. But um, yeah. You've got to be imagined people would just be like crying out. I mean, mad people would just be like rushing to get this. I mean, it just seems like there's a there's like an unquenchable thirst for knowledge and training. And I don't think people have got an issue with wanting to be qualified or have like a formal training pathway. There just isn't one. Yeah. There just isn't something, anything in existence. You've got to imagine if this became available, people would be like, great, count me in. Let me let me get involved. Let me show you my confidence. Let me show you how good I am Definitely. at what I do. Definitely. And um, COVID has kind of made it weird as well because for effectively two years, those new hungry people who want to learn how to inject have basically not yeah. had a chance yeah. or, or it started and stopped and, and sort of, you know, lost its momentum. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of new injectors wanting to get into it and, and now it's starting to, to happen again. Yep. So who knows what will happen with people like yourself, you know, yeah. you're struggling for staff, staff and, and whatever. Maybe it's just a, a bit of a delayed sort of bottleneck and, and yep. then suddenly you'll be having too much choice. Who yes, knows? hope so. Um, so the, the treatment regions, I mean, that was a discussion that sort of came up when we were sort of going, right, we need to do some different stuff. The Injector Diaries is going well. And, you know, we've obviously got our regular discussions, which can be very varied. Mm. Um, but, you know, I guess 
recognising and acknowledging that the large, you know, cohort of our listeners are injectors and they want this stuff. And we sort of glossed over certain things with, with various guests. But in terms of focusing on regions of the face, do you want to maybe just sort of, you know, talk about that and, and sort of, you know, what your thoughts are from an injector's perspective? So this is a bit selfish, but <laughs> I, I want to do a botulinum toxin, note, no brand specificity, yeah. uh, panel. Oh, okay. So, we'll, well, this is my goal. I'm sure we'll be able to pull this together. We'll get a, a KOL mm. from at least three of the major brands, yep. you know, or at least in Australia, we have three mm-hmm. major brands. Um, and it's, again, we're not trying to um, say one is better than the other or whatever. I just want to learn from each of the key opinion leaders what they do, why they do it, what are their dilutions, what are their protocols, what what do they consider a yep. good patient, a bad patient, yep. a no-no, um, all that just good stuff, yep. you know, because I don't use some of the brands. Yeah. Uh, and yet I get questions and I'm like, I don't know, let's yeah. let's get someone who uses Yeoman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be one really interesting one. Um, I've reached out to a well-known dental trainer, um, an injector in the UK. Uh, I won't mention his name in case he ignores me <laughs> and I embarrass myself. <laughs> but uh, I really want to do one on masseters. Yeah, right. Um, okay. Both for facial slimming, which is just a nice side effect. And, you know, some of our patients come yep. for that primary indication. But the main one is teeth grinding and yep. bruxism or, or clenching as well. So, you know, again, since COVID, I have seen mountains of yep. people struggling, yep. including some we know really well. Yep. Um, he, in fact, he was an emergency case that I went yep. in during the lockdown because yep. he was cracking his molars, oh, like literally wow. cracking them. And his dentist, who doesn't provide yep. um, masseter botulinum toxin, said, look, you need to find someone. Yeah. And and so I went in as an emergency to sort of try and save his teeth. Yeah, wow. And, you know, because of the drama, stress, anxiety of COVID, that has become topical, even though it's always there, it's yep. become more known about. Yeah. Well, and, I, got, I got a splint because I grind. Right. Yeah. And I didn't want sort of, you know, to reduce my masseters because I like the way that they look. So I was like, well, you don't have a choice because now it's starting to impact your gums and you yeah. get gum recession and so on. So I got a splint, which I, everyone said it was going to be difficult to get used to. I was like, fine, the first night, it was no big deal. But, but you're pretty... Um, Regimented. compliant when yeah. it comes to your health. Like yeah. if something's going to make you better, you'll just do it. Yeah. Whereas many people, and I hear this from my patients all the time, they're like, well, I had this thing, but I kind of feel like I want to gag and it's not sexy and it makes me want to snore and or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's always an excuse. And fair enough, I wouldn't want to wear a mouth guard to sleep. Yeah, they're not that bad though. They're, I thought it was going to be like this huge sort of, you know, like, <laughs> like a retainer thing. Yeah, like, you know, there's going to be like <laughs> bolts on the side and straps around like one of those geeks from the American it's just like, movies. Um, it's just like a slightly thicker retainer that you'd use for like teeth whitening. It's yes. like maybe two or three times as thick. So it's still... Well, that, much, well, that's much, an interesting an thing itself because some people call it splint, which is yeah. literally like a there's like a little um, wedge at the back yeah. to slightly open the jaw to stop you yeah. grinding. Then there's a plate which is more of like a mouth guard, yeah. so it just stops you cracking your teeth, but you can still grind. Yeah. And many dentists, and you know, I, I met my dentist for yeah. a drink just last week, and we discussed oh, yeah, this at length. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good guy. Um, we're discussing these things, and 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 he would happily admit that many dentists find this a bit of a mystery. Like yeah. they, they know from a very classical dental perspective what they should do, yeah. but they don't sort of understand the wider world of it. And many yeah. of them don't provide injectables. Yeah. Well, I got mine done by a prosthodontist. Right. So, um, and I'm sort of quite funny on that because I know the dental world a little bit and there are, there are a lot of dentists out there. We have like a glutton of dentists, especially in Australia. And yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah. Every, every, there's more like 
dentists than there are like laser hair removal clinics. Like they're just Seems like they're it. everywhere. And so what's happened is because you've got like this oversupply of dentists to a certain extent, and this is not a disrespectful statement, but I think that you're getting dent because of the competition. They're taking on normally normal work that would be referred on to a specialist, you mm. know, like a endodontist. Yeah, or like even root canal, like, yeah, like, yeah, no, endodontist. Um, it's being done in-house. Yeah. So for me, I just wanted to go and get something that's like this important done by a specialist that just does like sort of prosthetic teeth work. Mm. So, I mean, I, I've sort of moved down that path of going, you know, I get my teeth cleaned every sort of six months, but then for anything major, I'm going to a specialist because mm. I just want to, because it's like going to a mechanic. I don't know what they're doing in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you need a filling. Oh, really? Okay, sure. That'd okay. be like $5,000. Awesome. <laughs> I just don't know. What you, you don't know what's going on. See, one thing that this, I don't know why I just thought of this, have you ever realised that when you go to a dentist, you never sign a consent form? No, it's true, isn't it? You know, they can like grind pull out your half teeth your out, <laughs> chop half of it off, put sort of false nails on. Yeah. And you're like, cool, my bill's $5,000 and not a single waiver or consent form. It's crazy, isn't it? I never thought about that. And yet, you know, simple glabella Botox. Wow. The consent yeah. form not signed, better call the police. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you are going to jail. Yeah. yeah. And yet, you know, in, in medicine... Maybe we'll do another podcast on... We did do one consent, didn't we? I think I'm so, sure yeah. We did. With uh, Ruan from yeah. um, Avant? Yeah. Maybe we discussed, yeah. Th- there is this principle in, in medicine where, like, let's say you're in hospital and you yep. need your blood taken. By offering the blood-taking person your arm and lying there mm-hmm. and letting it happen, it's consent. You are obliging. Yeah. No one held you down by a gun or strapped you down. You You, you did it. Yeah. And you surely, I'm not saying we shouldn't consent, I'm not saying that at all, and we need to tell people risk and downtimes, but, you know, if you have verbally done that just like you would for, you know, many procedures like having your teeth ripped out or your jaw drilled, um, surely that's the same kind of principle. Especially when you go to the the counter and pay for it afterwards. It's like you, you sat there, you let someone stick a needle in your face, you happily got up, you paid for it, you left, everything was good. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I didn't consent to that. Retrospective yeah. Uh, denial. Yeah. Do you get much of that? Not really. No. no. Oh, look, um, it, it's always going to be a thing. And, and you do meet the occasional, not even tricky patient, although you, you do, but some patients just genuinely can't process or, or remember things. Yep. So that's why, um, you know, informed consent is so, so important. You need to sort of actually explain the pros and cons and then they need to relay it back to you. Yeah. So you can, they can sort of demonstrate understanding. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, if they're just a squiggle and say, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. That's not consent. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there are some. I've spoken to some injectors recently, and they've yeah. got amazing booking systems that yeah. sort of send people forms left, right, and center. Yeah. But you can't consent by virtual by letting them do it at home. That's got to be. Yeah. You need in house. Absolutely. Yeah. So look, I think there's some interesting discussions to be had for sure, and um, you know, something that I sort of delved into a little bit sort of about three or four months ago um, was talking to some of the various societies like the plastic surgeons and the nurses and actually because this platform has become like, you know, fairly significant in this industry and the amount of people that sort of tune in and listen, we thought, hey, like maybe it's a good opportunity to give some of these societies or these bodies an opportunity to even do some of their own podcasts Mm. through, you know, sort of facilitated through us and they can sort of get their message out there because I think that a lot of the time these people are a little bit in echo chamber. They're only talking to their own people. It's like, Correct. well, how do we get your message out to 
the wider international sort of aesthetic community. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, look, if you are a member of any sort of cosmetic society, aesthetic society, and, you know, you're sort of struggling to grow your listenership, we would be very open to sort of being a platform for where you kind of do your own special, whatever it may be. Yeah, so we might be involved in some sort of hosting capacity or we might be involved very little, but I think, you know, and that's something that's sort of become apparent to you and I is that, you know, we've been lucky enough to sort of been fairly well received and, and, the, and the podcast has grown. It's like, well, let's use our platform to help other people get their voice out there as well. Yeah. Um, and it might not be something that might, you know, be our regular Friday podcast, but it's something we might do in addition to, yeah. you know, as a special or something sort of ad hoc. Yeah, sort of you know, these- if we're going to be talking about something pretty niche in dermatology, <laughs> don't expect all you guys to be listening on a yep. Friday morning with your kids in the yeah, car. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, but if we can offer, you know, something a little bit extra for those people super keen on skin or, or whatever it may be, I think that'd be a nice addition to the podcast. Yeah. So we've got a lot of stuff to plan for. We've got new, new we've got to redeck the studio out. We've got the video content, which out finally is up and running and hopefully will be out because we actually saw a couple of sample videos. They actually look pretty, you're actually a really good looking guy, Jack. I didn't realise that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Is the beauty filter on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maximum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot coming, a lot of exciting stuff in the new year. Yeah, 100%. So why don't we talk about yes. um, our post-lockdown sort of experience from a business perspective and then we'll yeah. call it a day yeah because uh, i think <clears throat> our last podcast together was october the first so yeah, yeah a right. couple of months ago yeah and we were sort of predicting uh you know what's going to happen all the drama is it going to yeah. be busy is it not are oh, people going to be holding on to their money so no. what, what's your experience people You've got are four s- clinics yes, people are spending like there's no tomorrow it's, it's not a, it's not a question of demand it's a question of supply mm. And then sort of, as I alluded to, staffing issues, not having the sort of resources, even just the physical space in some instances to get people in. Then you've got delays. Yeah. Um, You know, as soon as there's sort of like a scare on something, you know, it seems like the um, the couriers and Australia Post are all delayed. Like everything seems to be running a little more slowly, but the demand is higher than ever. And, you know, without naming names, your chain of clinics, they they do a lot of promotions and offers. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's been necessary? No. (laughs) Right. No. You know, I sort of see stuff, you know, and it's not just your chain, it's a lot of chains. I'm like... Really? No. People no. are like fighting to no. get in. We do not need 50% off when people are waiting for months and months to get into your business. No. I right. mean, this is a time when if you're going to increase your prices, now's the time to do it. Yeah. People are expecting things to be more expensive because the demand is ridiculous. Yeah. So, no, I don't think it's right. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I keep on getting emails and I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you're part of a franchise model, you, you don't have the opportunity to sort of dictate price. But if it was up to me, I'd be thinking, well, you know, now might be the time to actually start increasing prices because, you know, these businesses are expensive to run and yeah. now you've got to pay your staff more, you know, rent goes up every year. And it's like, well, I think just people... Something's got to give. Yeah, and I think people anticipate, I think people sort of are okay with the fact that things might be more expensive because everyone is facing that, even in their own jobs, they're probably going, holy shit, demand's out of control. Like yeah. I need to increase my prices. So it's sort of it's almost like it needs to happen yeah. to sort of get things back to some sort of... We need a know, reboot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And um, what are your patients saying, your customers? Are they still excited or is that kind of initial yeah, demand think, falling yeah. off a bit? Uh, look, I mean, you know, nothing will, nothing will sort of compare to, you know, immediate post-lockdown demand. Absolutely not. But it's still strong. I mean, I've got, you know, a couple of my clinics that are booked out till the end of like January or February yeah, now that's awesome. already. Yeah. Um, and it's as I said, people are sort of getting agitated because it's like, 
it, it, normally these sort of wait times just don't exist. Yeah. And so it's sort of a bit of a shock for people going, oh, I'll wait two months to get in to see you. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm in that position now and someone even, I, I probably won't do this, but someone said, what happens when you get to the point where you're booked for like four, five, maybe even six months? Yeah, right. I remember Steve Harris when he was on the podcast. He, I can't believe this, but I do believe him. He said he was booked for two years. Yeah. Maybe it was just his dissolving clinic. I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, when you're in that position, you really have to think about having an apprentice or... Cloning. Some, I don't know, something. <laughs> you can't say to someone, sorry, books are closed for two yeah. years. Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't imagine being yeah. that well, busy. Even... The massage therapist that we both see, you referred me on oh, to, to, yes. to Con. I mean, he's brought on like someone now because he can't even keep up. Yeah, you know? and it's, you it, keep on telling people, oh, there's this great guy going booking with him and you make it even harder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that though. When I when I sort of get onto something that I think is great. I let you into a circle life. of trust and you fucked it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no, uh, look, you and me have got our slot with Con. Yeah, so yeah. Every Monday at five, I'm there. <laughs> and, and I don't know what your slot is, Tuesday but 10, I will yeah. not give that up ever. Yeah, I'm like booked in every way. He's got. He, I said to him the other day, I'm like, so uh, Christmas, you taking a break? <laughs> Probably, surely not. <laughs> He goes, yeah, mate, I'm taking four weeks off. I'm like, what? Yeah, what the hell are you going to do for four weeks? I'm like, surely you're going to get bored. Like, you know what? Like, if you're just like sitting there one day thinking, you know what? Like, I'm just, I'm over all this holiday. I'd like to massage someone. (laughs) Just give me a call. Well, if anyone's listening, Sydney-based, who thinks they're an amazing remedial massage person, please let us know. Yeah. Because we're going to be suffering like (laughs) 10 men for four weeks. It's like, I don't know how I survive without it, to be honest with you. If I don't, like, by the time like Tuesday rolls around, I'm like, oh, yes. It's the day. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting old. I get excited about massages. No, now. it's it seriously, and it's, they're legitimate massages too. There's nothing nothing it, funny going on. It's These extremely, are legit- <laughs> extremely necessary and therapeutic for me. I yeah. can't function without it. I don't know how I did it for so long. To be honest with you, it's sort of like yeah. game changer. Yeah, yeah. Um, what were we talking about before con? Uh, <laughs> I was talking about your business. Oh yes. So we've got the patient perspective. Now let's talk about the. Slightly controversial issue mm. of we were wondering with uh, when we had Nick Davis and Andreas yep. Fox on mm-hmm. about the whole drama of how are we logistically going to open our businesses yeah. and social distance and yep. clean and yeah. vax drama. Like, yeah. how has that all played out for you? Uh, look, I think we sort of, you know, the, the first lockdown was sort of a good learning exercise for us in terms of just understanding how the processes work and people getting used to the fact, yes, you need to sign in, you need to do your QR code. We need to allow more time to clean rooms. So it wasn't so much of an issue. It's just it feels like the demand has been more sustained because mm. we had like this sort of locked... Because the first lockdown was only, what, like three months? It wasn't, it wasn't that long. It was, yeah, three, maybe a week under, something like that. Yeah. I mean, we just came out of six months and people already knowing, hey, things are going to be booked out this time. Yeah. So people were like, everyone was more prepared for like... So people like even yourself, like people, you were like booked out halfway through the pandemic, you were like, okay, my diary's now like booked out for the next however many months. So people actually started getting more organised. Yeah. But that was stressful in itself. Yeah. Well, firstly, just trying to organise it and then trying to cater to people swapping or getting a bit funny. And yeah, it's it's played out okay. Like I I actually found for the first month, and, and I mean this, everyone came on the minute. Yeah. There was no complaining. Everyone was extremely grateful. I was grateful. It yeah. worked like clockwork, really. Yeah. And just in the last two weeks, I've noticed that sort of fickleness and yeah. people sort of arriving late or forgetting or yeah. cancelling for no reason has happened yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, so a little bit of that. A little bit. I don't know. I don't know if it's Christmas sort of on people's minds that they sort of 
you know, they obviously yeah. need to dedicate their money elsewhere. Yeah. But um, interesting. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, with what is it? Omicron, Omicron. I don't know how to pronounce it. Omicron. Oh, should, they should just call it bad, really bad, really <laughs> fucking bad. <laughs> Can't keep People up don't know that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. This is the bad one. But I mean, it's almost like, well, are the borders going to be open again at Christmas? I know they're sort of thinking about it again. Are we going to be are people going overseas still? I don't know. I mean, that could I, change everything. So, well, the better be because my mother-in-law's due to be flying in on Christmas Eve. Yes. Um, but you know, we had to apply for an exemption, all of that, because mm-hmm. she's a uh, like a, a what's the word? Yeah, she's she's directly related to us, so she's allowed to yeah, come. Yeah, blood relative. Yeah, but you can't have you know Aunt Sally coming. Yeah, right. Or, 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 or random. So it'd be like Australia. immediate family. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I don't see Australia doing that just yet. I think they're going to hold fire. But yeah. you know, we can leave, which is yeah. a massive step forwards. Yeah, and, and and Australians can come back to the country. So I like the fact that it's sort of measured. It, yeah. it, it's it's kind of a bit of a, a flexibility, and we're not just locked down again. Yeah. Um, I don't see our new premier changing anything. I think yeah. he's pretty business minded and economy minded. Yeah. So, so. Um, it's kind of positive, I think. Yeah. Be interesting to see whether Australians leave. I, I'm, I'm personally not planning to leave for a period of time just mm. because I don't want to be like, you know, in like late Como, like relaxing. <laughs> and then they go, got to come back uh, tomorrow. Sh- yeah. Or like you're there's a new out. strain and you got to go into like, you know, quarantine when you come back. I don't want that. Yeah, look, <laughs> that is a definite possibility. You never know. Yeah, I, I, look, I've booked a flight to Dubai with my family in April, so yeah. it's a little bit out of the way. And I guess we we could cancel if we need to, yeah. but I, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. I'm sort of mildly optimistic. Well, I was sort of excited about doing uh, Inside Aesthetics uh, Monaco. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> mate, mate. If we can get well, actually, AMWC's soon. Yeah. So we've sort of missed that boat, and and if you're not willing to fly, then that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe we got on a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, God, what, a three-month boat? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a breeding ground for these sort of stuff. So. Correct. It all started with the, what was it, the Ruby, what is it called? Uh, the Ruby Princess? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, what a, we don't want one of those again. <laughs> what a clusterfuck that was. That was <laughs> literally clusterfuck. <laughs> it was really bad. Really yeah. Bad. So, but anyway, I'd look, I, I don't <clears throat> think COVID, well, COVID is here to stay, yep. but our... Extended lockdowns and, yep. and all of that is is sort of gone. And, you know, we're the high, most highly vaxxed country in the world, bar Israel, I think. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Six months ago, we were the shittest or, yeah. or we were like way behind even developing countries. Yeah. So, you know, we have done well, pat ourselves on the back, but yeah. let's not get too sort of carried away. It's amazing what six months of lockdown will do for people's motivation. Do you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, look, you know, there, there are countries now, I don't know if you've seen the news, like uh, Hungary, Holland. Uh, Holland. Yeah. They are now basically saying if you're not vaxxed, you, you can't access certain things. And, you know, I know we've done a little bit of that, yeah. but it, it, these countries are really suffering at the, uh, yeah. at the moment. So, yeah. you know, we're not out of the woods. There are other parts of the world still kind of in it. You know, the UK's got 50,000 cases a day. We would be freaking out if we were anywhere close to that. Even 5,000 a day would be freaking out. 500 a day, people would be freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy so it's all, stuff. You know, if you, a bit of realism here. We, we've had it pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's interesting doing these podcasts because, you know, when we first started doing them, we're like, people don't want to hear from us. Just want to hear from the guests. So it always feels weird when we're just having this conversation because I think, God, people must be bored. Shooting the us. breeze. Yeah. Making it up as we go. Yeah. So it'd be good to know if you guys enjoy these sort of discussions. We can definitely do more of them. But if we just think, 
you want to hear from people that actually, well, Jake knows what he's talking about. I certainly don't. But, oh, um, come on. <laughs> Look, you, you've got a lot of value when it comes to business and patient perspective as well. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, interesting to get some feedback if you guys enjoy these these episodes and us just We won't do talking. them too often, no. I promise you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is there anything else we've missed? That we need to discuss? No, so. so we've we've dangled a few teasers for next year. Yep. We've discussed that the video looks like it's actually going to happen. Thank God. We've apologised for being kind of a bit lame for the past couple, yeah. couple of months. Yeah. And we've spoken about our experience post-COVID. So I think yeah. we're good. I think we're good. We can wrap this one up. So any final thoughts from you, Jake? No, uh, we're just looking forward to, uh, well... A very Merry Christmas, hopefully. Yep. Uh, we wish you guys well. Thank you for all the support over the last, well, 51 or 52 episodes this year. Yeah. Gosh. So we did achieve our goal of actually getting one out every week, even though it's been a little bit of a scramble. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll do our best to sort of get things back to a, a more yep. predictable yep. Uh, Friday afternoon slot next year. But um, let's see. You know, I don't want to promise anything as long as we get something out. Yeah. I think there's still value. Yeah. And uh, we, we appreciate all the well wishes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for those thoughts, we appreciate all the listeners, the people that send us messages and, and sort of love and the reshares and so on. It's all great. Hopefully 2022 will be bigger and better than, than 2021 and hopefully lockdown free and um, hopefully some new exciting things from us and some great content for you guys to listen to. 100%. Enjoy. Have a good Christmas, guys, and a happy and safe new year. Take care. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 